0: So before I get into the message today, and we're going to be in 1 John, I wanted to take a little bit of time and just pray for our nation. Obviously, unless you've lived in a cave or been out fishing for the last couple of days, you know that um, nearest to us, Minneapolis has been rocked with riots. Um, Atlanta, New York City, Chicago, Washington, D.C., any major metropolitan city right now is having massive riots over the death of, of George Floyd. And to any, to any person, if you've seen the video, yeah, the officer definitely used excessive force there. Um, and it's been blown up into a whole racial thing, which I, we don't know if that's what the case was or if it was just a bad cop. It could have been either one. But either way, irregardless of that, I want to pray for our nation, I want to pray for healing amongst amongst the races, but I also want to pray against the forces that would divide us, because a lot of people are using this right now to divide. Media is using it, politicians are using it, um... As, as a way to, to, to create an us versus them kind of scenario. And I want to pray just against that and for unity in our nation. So let's just do that. Father God, I just come to you this morning. And I admit that watching the news, I, I can have emotions one way or the other. I can we all it's we all probably in some way have a little bit of racism within our, our hearts and our minds, even if it's just as subtle as saying, well look what they are doing again. Lord God, those outside of the church are are just, People who are going to be swayed by emotion, they're going to be swayed by whatever lie sound fits their worldview at this point. And they're easily moved to do things like destroy communities. So Father, I just ask Lord that your church and those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ will be different. That instead of arguing we will be people who extend love. Instead of of condemning, that we will extend that olive branch of peace. And that you help us, Father, to see this on the spiritual level. This is just another battle in the war against light and dark. The people who are rioting right now, they may have a grievance. It may be a legitimate grievance. But they're still being used as pawns in a a battle of God versus Satan. And we ask, Father, that You just help us to be on our knees and pray. You help us to love one another. You help us to, to spread mercy and grace when we speak. And help guard our hearts and minds against the forces that would so easily divide us, Lord. Father, we pray for peace in Minneapolis. We pray for peace in Washington, D.C. We pray for peace in Chicago or Atlanta or any of these other places that are, are just blowing up with riots right now. Milwaukee. Father, we just ask, Lord, that the spirit of peace on this Pentecost Sunday will come into communities. And that we can start actually talking to each other instead of screaming at each other. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that every single person who calls himself a Christian will just have this heart and mind. And that peace will reign, Lord. Father God, I ask this in your name. Amen. So into our lesson today, we're going to be talking about flattening the fear curve. We've been hearing a lot about curves, haven't we? Flattening the curve, flattening the infection rates, flattening the um, amount of people exposed to the coronavirus. We've seen all kinds of people, people that maybe some of us uh, giggled at, walking uh, into Walmart they have a homemade hazmat suit on. They have garbage bags wrapped around them. They have um, big lab goggles and, and big hoods and everything else wrapped around them. And they're, they're walking into Walmart and, um, and things like that. And I, I, I don't mean to bring this up to necessarily mock these people or make fun of them, but I just um, use that to illustrate the effect that this fear that we've had over the last several months can make people do crazy things, can't it? We also see that in our discourse with one another. We see that in the way that people have talked to one another. If you want to start a, a social media fight, or even a fight amongst your relatives, talk about wearing a mask. The necessity of wearing a mask. Some people say if you don't wear a mask, you're killing people. Some people say if you do wear a mask, you're sissy. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many sides to all of this that, that it's just creating even more of a um, conflict within our um, society. You remember when they announced the shutdowns? You remember how freaked out everybody got? You remember seeing pictures on the, and video on the news of people rushing into the stores? I saw a young lady literally punch an older woman, you know, someone like Genevieve's age, punch her in the head to get the last roll of toilet paper. And what the heck was this thing with toilet paper anyway? Of everything (laughs) that we're going to go and ransack a store over, it was toilet paper. (laughs) Come on, every single one of us has phone books we never use in our house. Thousands of pages of toilet paper right there (laughs) if you absolutely need it, right? But everybody needed their Charmin. (laughs) I, I have no idea what it was. You saw people rating it for non-perishables. And if you are one of those people that stock up on the non-perishables that are just sitting there, consider it for a food pantry next month. You know, giving a little bit of that away. Anybody buying an ammo and gun? Dave, you don't count. You're always getting guns. <laughs> I stocked up on ammo, not because I was afraid that the parsonage was going to be overrun. I was afraid that the ammo was going to run out before hunting season and I wouldn't be able to hunt. So yeah, I, I got a little bit of... Um, extra ammo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I not think anybody was going to be raiding the parsonage for anything. But um, anybody stock up on cleaning supplies or sanitizer? Anybody know he's willing to admit it? Yeah, mom. <laughs> but all this drama, all this these nonsensical reactions and the anger. that that was in the country at that time all had a common source, fear. It was all about fear, a fear reaction to the unknown. None of us have ever lived through a true pandemic like COVID before. And if we're all honest, we probably all had these reactions at some level or another. I remember the first time I had to go and treat a suspected COVID patient that turned out to be positive. I have an industrial fa- industrial gas mask, essentially, on, big safety goggles with a safety shield. I have a, a rubber um, kind of overall over the top of myself, two pairs of gloves, a head covering, and I'm walking in there and I sound like Bane on Batman. It's like, no, That's how I'm talking to my poor patient who's sitting there thinking, I got the coronavirus and I'm going to die. And I remember going into that room, and pro tip, if you ever get into the medical field and have to go into an infectious person's room, make sure you go to the bathroom first. Because you're, <laughs> what I discovered is you're going to be in there for an hour or two. Because there's no sense in having multiple people going in and out of the room and spreading things over the place, because once you come out of that room, you gotta take everything off and decontaminate. So you are in there for a while until everything possible that you can do for that person is done, then you get to leave the room. So I remember going in there and just thinking these little viral particles are just floating around everywhere and I'm sucking them in and I'm wearing an N95 mask. The the 95 stands for, it will filter 95% of the air. That's what the 95 stands for which means I'm breathing in 5% of the viral particles in the room. Now, what is the inf- where is the threshold for infection if it's 5%? Do I have to be near here for an hour breathing it, or two hours? You know, you're thinking of these things in your head, but you still have this person you have to take care of. So I know it was a little freaky sometimes. I know that it was um, something that we would um, be a little scared of because we can't see it, we can't fight it. It doesn't matter how many guns, ammo, crossbows, whatever you buy, you can't shoot a virus, right? We we heard all kinds of horror stories, especially in New York City, where they're getting refrigerated semi-trailers to use them as morgues. We fully expected dozens of people that we might know dying of the illness. Well, we have some good news now. We have um, the lessening of um of the laws governing when we can come together our hospital is relaxing some of the measures um, in place we don't have to wear a mask all the time only when we're within six feet of somebody or immediately treating somebody but now we're hearing about the second wave but now with the riots we're not hearing about anything (laughs) that has to do with the coronavirus it's all about the the riots but so if you get anything out of today's message understand this No matter which network you watch, whether you like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, or Fox News, no matter which one you are watching, they are in business for one reason. To keep you watching them, and if that means they have to make you afraid to do so, that's what they're going to do. It's kind of a cynical saying within modern news media, but the saying, if it bleeds, it leads, means that they're going to get the most sensational story with the most panic-sounding announcer on the TV to get you to keep watching them and believe exactly what they are saying. And I want to address that today, because many of us have been living in fear for months now. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to bring us back to where we should be as believers in Jesus. And that's what we're going to do as we get into 1 John chapter 4 this morning, um, we're going to read the words of a man who was living, and when he wrote this, it was around 85 to 90 A.D. If you don't know a lot about world history, that is when some of the worst Christian persecutions were going on. This, this is the era where Nero thought it was a great idea to impale a Christian, cover him in tar, and set him on fire to, to, so he could see his garden at night. So th- th- this is how Christians were being treated back then so this isn't john just saying some pie in the sky thing and this is how we should be because everything is so great no he is living under death sentence here that if he gets caught being one of the apostles of jesus christ he is going to be lighting nero's garden so that so i I put that into perspective so you can understand he's not talking about something that is just something we should try to aspire to he is saying that this is possible for us to live in no matter what kind of situation we are going through right now. So with that, I'm going to read 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, We know that we live in Him, Jesus, and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made more complete among us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. And there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has nothing to do with or because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love let's pray father god i just ask father you just take this time this morning and help us drive this thing called fear out of our lives Fear does not belong in a Christian's life. And I ask, Father, that in some way today that your words will penetrate into the very depths of our soul. It will judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, Lord. And that it will enable us to walk before this world in perfect peace because we know we're in the palm of your hands, no matter what happens. Father, I ask this in your name. Amen. So some of you may have heard me say this in the past. FEAR is an acronym. F-E-A-R is an acronym. And it stands for False Evidence Appearing Real. That's all FEAR is. How many false things have we heard about the coronavirus? Or things that they've changed their mind? Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Seven times I counted. I went back, and look, seven times we've changed our minds on masks. Is it, is it passed from um, human to human? Well, initially, who in China said no? It's not passed from human to human. Well, we found that to be wrong. We heard of a death rate of 5 to 6% in the beginning. If that were true, and we translated that into the population just of, of Whitehall here, that means almost 100 people would die. 100 of our neighbors would die. And countywide, up to 1,500 would die. Statewide, almost 300,000. And nationwide, 16 to 20 million people dead. If it was a 5% mortality rate. So what did it turn out to be? Well, much less. We're, <laughs> we're looking at less than one half of 1% mortality rate right now from people who have had COVID. It's difficult to, to really enumerate this because we don't know how many people were infected. So the equation is, is a guess. But we know it's much less than one half to 1%. Um, right now they're saying we're a little over 100,000 deaths of people who had the COVID disease, but what they're doing is almost every month they're halving those and halving those and halving those because what they're finding is the autopsy show the person had COVID, but if a person was hit by a train who happened to have COVID, COVID is not what killed them. So that's why you see these numbers constantly being adjusted. So what is happening here is that COVID is going to be the same as a flu season, maybe a bad flu season, when we finally uh, come up with the right numbers a year from now or so. And unfortunately, we kind of all lost our minds over it, didn't we? As I said, young people beat up old people for the last row of toilet paper. Moms ransacked stores to um, to hoard enough food for their family. Hospital systems cleared out their schedule. We cleared out our entire operating system. Um, the entire people that, that work around the operating room were retasked. We shut down all surgeries, even of elective surgeries. And people have suffered and died because of this because their surgeries were considered elective. We allowed the greatest economy that has ever existed in this country or maybe even the world to fall into a possible recession and allowed millions and millions to become un- unemployed because of fear of false evidence appearing real. We can blame the media. And for sure, I think they had a large part in this. The 24-hour news cycle had everybody freaking out. We can blame the government. They went safe-sided with everything, got probably some bad advice, and went with the worst-case scenario for everything. Um, We can blame people on the Internet for churning out new conspiracy theories almost daily, of how this was started, what the government's trying to do, how they're trying to take over, how we're all gonna have a chip implanted in us, how this was a planned event to usher in the new world order. Take your pick of whatever conspiracy theory you want this week. It's been out there. I've actually lost friends over this when I said, do you really believe what you just wrote? That the giant spaghetti monster is coming to take over? I mean, it's it's stuff that's almost as ridiculous as that. And yeah, people unfriended me on Facebook over this stuff. But ultimately, the blame belongs to us. We have a choice of whether to allow this false evidence that appears real to drive our emotions, our decisions, and our actions during times like this. Now, I expect the people outside of the church to react like this. When people ask me, you know, where's the church in the riots? I don't think your average elder or deacon is out there breaking windows. I don't think they're out there burning cars or storming police stations. I could be wrong. Maybe they got caught up in it. I don't know. But I'm willing to bet that your average evangelical Christian is not out there rioting right now. These are people that are outside of the church and have no other hope other than what is in this life. So when they see an incredible injustice like what happened, they got mad and they had to... Couple of that with the fact they've been cooped up for the last three months, it all exploded into one giant rage ball, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing right now. But what about us? What about those who call themselves Christians? Should we allow fear to guide our actions, our emotions, or our spiritual help? So let's talk about that this morning. Now there is something that is called a healthy fear. The Bible tells us to fear God. Fear means to have a healthy respect and stand in awe of who God is. And that is a good fear. There's also a good fear that happens even in our lives. If you're driving home today and your car stalls on the railroad tracks and there is a train coming, fear should inform you to get the heck out of your car, right? God is not expecting you to hold up a hand and say, in Jesus' name, train, stop. Because God is going to let you get run over as evidence that He does not suffer fools well. Okay, He, I believe in faith. I believe in all of that. But there has to be also a little bit of common sense. God says, let us reason together. You know, he, he gave us common sense and reason so that we can get out of dangerous situations. He gave us these emotions so that we can make a decision. Yeah, I don't think I want to take on a train today that's just being logical and and common sense that's not faith to stand there that's just dumb what i'm talking about here is when we dwell on potential danger that this is what causes anxiety in many of our hearts and yes i get anxiety sometimes there's times that i that i'm anxious there are times that i'm in dangerous situations as a paramedic even in a hospital or or as a firefighter that you know i can have anxiety And I understand this. I'm talking about dwelling on it. I'm talking about this this fear that digs its claws in and holds on tight to your spirit. And John tells us in the scriptures that we have just read that the antidote for this is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of the King, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost was all about, was God placing his very nature in us. And John said it here in the second part of verse 16. He said, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him that is why the spirit of god came up at pentecost is to fill us with this spirit that is not our own but that will empower us to be able to live courageously in this world how many people here have you ever seen like a cartoon or a tv show where they have like a devil on one shoulder and an angel on another anybody seen something like that and you have these two whispering things that you know you know, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Nobody's ever going to know. Go ahead. And you know that's wrong. You know that you shouldn't do that. You know you'll get in trouble. Nah, shut up. Yeah. And you get, you get this kind of thing going across. And there's a little bit of truth to that in, in, in the reality. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of evil in the heavenly realms. And that whisper of the enemy is always trying to get our attention Because he knows that if he can get access to our minds, then he's going to be able to go down and grab our hearts as well. And that's why it's so critical for us as Christians that we don't allow the enemy to feed his negativity into our hearts and into our minds. A really good way to imagine this is imagining there are two dogs in a fight say there's two dogs that are just snarling at each other and a small crowd gathers. And one of the dogs is a 120 pound pit bull Rottweiler mix. And the other dog is a little 70 pound Labrador retriever. Now as these dogs are barking and snapping at each other and they're getting ready to fight, you know, somebody says, $50 on the pit bull. Another person says, "Yeah, I'll take hundred on the pit bull." Everybody starts betting on the pit bull to tear this poor Labrador apart because we know Labradors are generally friendly, non-violent dogs. I know mine. My Labrador, I have one. The biggest danger any burglar has in her house is tripping over her in the middle of the night, because <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's that's pretty much the biggest danger they're going to have. Labradors are just very friendly dogs. And so everybody's throwing down money on this, this, this um, Rottweiler to win this fight. And except for one older man in this crowd, he said, okay, I'll take all those bets. So, they, so everybody's passing over the money and, and all this, and all of a sudden they just start going, and they're, they're clawing and they're biting and they're scrapping and rolling around in the dirt and everything. And about 30 seconds later, the Labrador has its jaws over the top of that pit bull's throat. And that's when they break it up. They didn't want the dogs to die, so they grabbed the, the dogs and pulled them apart and everything. And the crowd was astounded as they are handing their money over to the old man. And he said, well, how in the heck did you, were you able to predict which dog was going to win in this fight? And he goes, well, the pit bull lives on this side of me, and the Rottweiler, or I mean the Labrador lives on this side of me. And I see how both owners treat their dogs. Labrador gets fed all the time, gets walked, gets well taken care of. The pit bull, he might go for a couple days without being fed. He might go a few days without being walked or being shown any affection or anything. He goes, I know the better fed dog is the one that's going to win that fight. Same thing is true in our spirits. How much you get fed, and more importantly, what you get fed, is the most critical thing to your spiritual health if you're sitting in front of a tv taking in the news if you're reading it online and arguing with people on social media if you're doing all these kinds of things you're feeding the wrong dog and that is how the enemy is able to lock his jaws on our throat so shut it off shut it off Put on something that's that's more holistic. I'd almost rather have you watch a Hollywood movie than the news right now. Honestly, it's going to do less damage <laughs> if you think about it. I mean, there just feed yourself correctly. It's like a compute when I was in computer class and back in the in the day when we actually had to program computers. And I remember learning the computer languages of BASIC and Fortran and Pascal and anybody, was anybody in school and you had to learn that? So, I know it's, uh, it's only people that probably my age right around that time. Well you actually had to write a pro, different programs. You had to write programs for address books and, and uh, telephone lists and all these kind of things so that the actual you'd actually be able to search it and find the number you're looking for. And it would take hours to program all this computer code stuff into the computer. And if you missed one little dot slash um, exclamation point, parenthesis, nothing would work. And you'd get so frustrated. You'd be looking through a hundred lines of code that you've just written, trying to find that one little error. And our instructor would just be walking around going, oh, ain't working. Garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage cold in, you get garbage cold out, and it's not going to work. He, gosh, I wanted to choke him to death. He, that's all he would say is garbage in and garbage out all the time. and it's a, But it is true in life. If we put garbage in, we're going to get garbage out. People who are short-tempered, people who are filled with anxiety, people who have any of these negative things that they want to get rid of, I ask them, what are you putting in? Because what you put in is what you're going to give out. That's why God was begging us. Begging us to spend time in His presence. That's why God is begging us to fill ourselves with spiritual milk and spiritual meat and spiritual food and not be totally and completely absorbed into things of this world if you do that fear can't dwell in your heart now when I whenever I talk about things like this I'll get somebody who's going to say well I've been diagnosed with anxiety or I've been diagnosed with depression or I've been diagnosed with this and that's an issue it is it's a it's a proven medical issue and it means you're going to have a little bit of a tougher road with this I'm, I'm not going to kid you with that. But you know what? Victory is still possible. Amen. One of those things I learned in all the schooling I'm taking is how your brain gets wired. The wiring inside your brain is called a neural pathway. And there's, there's quadrillions of these pathways in your brain. Now, how these are laid down is from early childhood up until Now, You're still laying down neural pathways as I talk. It's laying down a new neural pathway into your brain. And these are literally the wiring that governs how you think and react to the world around you. So repeated stimulus followed by repeated action hardens those pathways to become a new normal. That's why a person who allows themselves to fall into depression will have a tendency to become clinically depressed because they have laid down that neural pathway to think that way all the time. Does that make sense? You've created a a physical connection in your brain to be depressed. Now, through therapy, through different medications, different things like that, you can rip up that neural pathway and put down another one, but it is very difficult to do and it it takes a long time. Um, An extreme example of a neural pathway is something that's familiar to most of us. PTSD in a soldier. Does anybody know a former combat soldier who jumps when something goes off, something goes bang? My grandfather did this. Thirty years, I didn't knew him. Thirty years after World War II, and he would still sometimes die for die for cover if there was a sudden noise. Thirty years had gone by, and he would still do that. That just shows you how how. Um, how important those those neural pathways are to your are to your mind, and this is how we allow our brains to um, to be hardwired to react certain ways, and why if we allow fear based stimuli to um, provoke responses that are not of God, why they stick so hard? Because we repeatedly. Um, anchor that neural pathway down harder. Every time we allow ourselves to go that way, it's, it's like addiction, for that matter. Addiction, that's just where addiction comes from. Neural pathways that are just so cemented that they can't move any other way. But Jesus, Jesus can heal all of that. When we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, He starts cleaning all of that up. And it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but as you submit to God, as you continue to trust in Him and and allow His Word to dwell in your heart, as you continue to meditate upon the promises of God, spend time in worship, spend time in prayer, spend time in Bible studying, your brain will literally begin to rewire itself. So that a lot of those depressions can disappear, a lot of those addictions can fall away. And you will be able to understand things on the spiritual level instead of always reacting to them in the physical. And that's why throughout the entire Old and New Testament, God begs His people to do just that, feast on His Word. The Jewish statement of faith Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Think about Him as you walk upon the, on the road. Talk about Him. Have Him totally and completely in the forefront of your mind. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day of the book of Acts, or the day that the Holy Spirit was initially poured upon the believers in the book of Acts. And that's how we're going to finish today. By looking at the reason that the Spirit of God was given to us. But let me give you a hint. It wasn't just so we could speak in tongues. It wasn't just to give us an ability to do miracles or have miracles happen in our life. It wasn't just to give us goosebumps during worship. And it wasn't just to make us feel better. It was to remove fear from our lives and replace it with the very presence of God that will develop faith to rise in us and enable us to face this world. That's when all that other stuff can be made manifest in our lives. But it's not going to be made manifest if we continue to allow fear to take a hold of us. I'm going to finish with one more verse. Verse and how we flatten that fear curve. In 1 Timothy 1.7, if you have the Spirit of God living within you, then this promise applies to you right now. 2 Timothy 1, seven, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. If you have the Holy Spirit living within you, then you should not have the spirit of fear living beside you. Let me ask you, if God's Spirit is living within you, who does God fear? Is He afraid of you? Is He afraid of of a police officer, a soldier, communist China, Russia? United States military? Does he fear all that? Nope. So fear is a dominant part of your life. And I'm saying this as your pastor. I'm saying this as a friend. I'm saying this in all humility. Not as, a, as an accusation, but as something that can help you rethink how you, how you live. If fear is a dominant part of your life, ask yourself this question. Question whose spirit is in control of your heart and your mind? Is it the spirit of this world or the spirit of God? I want you to be able to live in the freedom and victory that Jesus gave us on the cross. That's God's desire for you. That's why Jesus went and suffered and died on a Roman cross. So not only can He save you from your sin, but so that you can live a life of abundance, of joy, of faith, and of hope. Let's all stand. Father God, I thank You, Lord, for everyone in this room and everyone who will hear this message over Internet. And I ask, Father, that you just help us to take a personal inventory and be honest with ourselves. Have we allowed fear to govern our hearts and minds? Have we allowed the spirit of this age to have control over how we think, react, and, and act out in this world? And if so... We just open up our hearts, our minds, and our souls to your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that you just come upon us in power, just like you did in the book of Acts. And that we can have an experience of rebirth in you. That all those things the devil has tried to place into our lives will be swept aside by the power of your love. And by the incredible, the incredible fullness of your presence, Lord. Father, we thank you on this Pentecost Sunday. We thank you you brought us back together as a church family. And I ask, Father, that you just bless everyone here with the spirit and power of God to be able to walk before this, this community as the sons of God you have called us to be. Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you all for coming this week. Remember, we're not starting up Wednesdays for a few more weeks, but we'll see you um, again next Sunday at 1030.